Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Globe Life Field in Texas. It's the Cleveland Guardians 10, the Texas Rangers 4. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. But before we talk about that, we've got to talk about your 2022 AL Central Division Champions, the Cleveland Guardians. We knew it. We knew this team, what they were capable of. We knew it back in spring training. We knew it in the offseason. Now, look, we knew the question marks, too. We knew that, you know, guys like Stefan and Henches and Eli Morgan would have to develop in the bullpen. We knew that these rookies would have to come up and contribute to this team because they weren't going out and getting veterans. I mean, it's um, we knew what the question marks. We knew the challenges. We knew the road ahead for this team. But I got to say, if you listen to this podcast all season, we believed in these guys. We believed in this team for the entire season. And it feels so good to make it to the end here and to win the AL Central Championship. I'm not a person that's going to scream into the mic and jump up and down in his chair, mostly because it's 5 in the morning and everyone in my house is still asleep, but also because there's still a a long road ahead. And uh, I've seen just as much uh, amazing stuff in sports, and I've seen just as much heartbreak. And uh, I, I am enjoying this. I am enjoying this a ton. Uh, I did not pop bottles of champagne and smoke cigars like the guys did, uh, although the celebration was it was a pretty solid division clinching celebration. I, it was it was a pretty good one, and uh, the young guys were having fun. I'm just really satisfied with this season, man. It just there was something that was so good about the season. I just enjoyed the heck out of it, and it just. It was it was ple- it was so pleasant to cover this team all season, to talk baseball with you all season, to watch the way they play. I, it, it was special, but in a way that's kind of undescribable. Like I'm trying to think back to 2016, right when we clinched the division and those those mid 20 team teams. I'm trying to think back to 2007. And I'm trying to think back to the 90s, and I think this is the, this team is closest to those 90s teams. Only because, you know, the mas- national media didn't know that Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, Sandy Alomar, Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez were all going to turn into Hall of Famers or borderline Hall of Famers. But we did it in Cleveland, right? We saw it coming in Cleveland. We felt it. We felt it growing. We felt the talent we felt that the team was special. We got robbed in 94, and then in 95, obviously, we set the world on fire, right? And this team has a similar feel to it. Like, you know, nobody, look at look at all the receipts on Twitter right now. Nobody picked this team to win the American League Central. Everybody was leaning on the White Sox, maybe the Twins. Nobody was picking Cleveland to win the American League Central, but we knew we saw the talent developing. We saw what was growing in this system. We saw the potential that these young kids had. And uh, yeah, it just feels great to have just been in on it from day one. Like in on this secret that Cleveland has sneakily the best baseball team in the American League Central. And we're going to beat you in a way that you never saw coming. 
with speed and aggression and hustle and fundamentals and defense and pitching. Man, this team has just been so much fun all season. And I cannot be happier for those guys to be celebrating right now to win that American League Central. Man, they really, really earned it. You know, sometimes you say, oh, that that team, they deserved it. No, this team earned it. Earned it. They deserved it too for the for the work they put in and for the way they played, but they earned it. Um, so yeah, so I mean I can keep going. I can keep going for about an hour on how special and unique this team is, but just know that I'm really, really enjoying this one. And uh, I cannot wait to hear when playoff tickets go on sale because I'm gonna jump all over my chance to go to a wild card game and see this team in action in the playoffs. So let's get into the actual game because they did have to play a game to clinch this thing, and that is what this podcast is all about. We will do, believe me, we will do wrap-up shows where we wrap up and evaluate the entire season and we look back on the entire season. Uh, Those episodes are coming. But while we're still playing baseball, we're going to focus on the games on the field because they played a heck of a game to clinch this thing. I mean, they've been playing just insane, out-of-their-mind baseball for the last, like, two weeks, right? The Minnesota series, the White Sox series, now this Rangers series. They just The Rangers were not on their level at all. I mean, you could tell that the pitching is just not there. We talked about it before. The pitching is just not there for the Texas Rangers. Uh, to compete at this level with the division champs. So, yeah, it, it was a bit of a route here in Texas for these three games. And uh, the storylines in this game is, man, the offense unloaded for some huge crooked numbers, some huge innings for your Cleveland Guardians. And each inning was kind of done a little bit differently. And frankly, the interesting thing is that your two veteran leaders are the two that don't get in on the action. In fact, you're three because mainly, you know, being your veteran kind of journeyman catcher there. So Amin Rosario and Jose Ramirez don't really get in on the action. Yeah, Rosario does in a little bit. Uh, He does drive in an RBI. He does uh, score a run in this thing, but he doesn't have a hit. And Jose Ramirez doesn't have a hit. The hits, the 10 hits all come from the young guys. And he was playing a young lineup because he wanted to get as many right-handed hitters in there as possible. Now, I know the splits on Owen Miller. And I know that Owen Miller kind of sucks against left-handed pitching. uh, And the splits aren't really there. But the lefty, Cole Reagans, for the Rangers, actually has really good splits against left-handed batters. Uh, Still looking for his first major league win the young rookie, 24-year-old uh, rookie, former first-round pick, number 30th overall by the Rangers. Uh, but yeah, his splits against lefties and righties. Uh, now, he has not faced many lefties, but he's got a 0.63 whip against them, uh, and he's got a 1.76 whip against righties. So you understand why he stacked the lineup with right-handed pitching, or right-handed hitting. Uh, but uh, it got a lot of the young guys in there. So it's kind of crazy on a day we clinch. In another season, I also wanted to reflect on this. I wanted to reflect on Chernoff and Antonetti and uh, Francona. Because in another season, they would have stuck with veteran players way too long. They would have buried a lot of these rookies at AAA. Maybe one or two of them would have scratched the surface and made the majors. Right? 
in a different season, that's what would have gone down. But this season, this is what made this season so unique and so special, is that they did say they, they got those veterans in and out and cleared them out of the roster. They gave them one more chance and cleared them out of the roster. And then they made room so that you could have a lineup that, frankly, looks like it should have been winning the International League Championship for the Columbus Clippers. A lineup that features Stephen Kwan in the leadoff spot, trusted to lead off for this team all season. That's got Oscar Gonzalez cleaning up. That's got Gabriel Arias and Tyler Freeman in it. Like that's pretty crazy. That that's a you know that's a normal lineup for the 2022 season, right? That isn't something. Even when he clears out the bench to play tomorrow, you know, if he gives all the veterans a day off tomorrow. Uh, in uh, the first game back here against Tampa Bay, it's still not going to seem like that weird of a lineup because these guys have been playing all season. So they get in there and they do it again, and they all deliver big hits in this one. Uh, So yeah, they put up four runs in the third inning on four singles and a a fielder's choice. So uh, basically, they just single them to death in the third inning. And it starts with uh, Tyler Freeman kicking things off, the young guy. And all of these hits are remarkably similar. Just nice, easy line shots. Um, Freeman with a nice line shot into the outfield after a melee pop-up. Straw would shoot one out there. Quan with a nice line drive in the left center field. Uh, brings in the first run to score. Brings in Freeman to score. Straw goes first to third. Uh, Quan would then steal second base, so they're not taking their foot off the pedal. They've been running like crazy against Texas, and they keep it going here. Uh, Quan has two stolen bases, and Straw has one as well, so they have just were stealing like crazy against the Texas Rangers in this series because that's their brand of baseball. Whether they're clinching the division or not, they're going to continue to play their brand of baseball all the way to the end. So more of it here. So Quan's hustled again. So he hustles in and gets a stolen base in the second. Then Ahmed Rosario chops one to third base. The third baseman for the Rangers decides to try to come home with it. Young over there at third base. He gets the chopper, decides to try to come home and cut off Miles Straw at the plate. Feels like at this point in the game, it's worth it trying to get that run. Only Straw would have been safe no matter what. The ball skips away from the catcher. Uh, Heim, Jonah Heim. And uh, frankly, Quan rounding third base shows way more hustle on this play than Heim does going after this ball against the backstop. Now, I understand a little bit because you didn't know exactly where this ball was going to ricochet, what kind of bounce you were in for. It turns out it didn't bounce very far. It just kind of went up in the air and came back down. But Heim is really, really slow to react. Meanwhile, Quan is running full speed from second base. So once again... You know, it's not the full Kenny Lofton. That would be on a pass ball, but it it functions like the Kenny Lofton play, scoring from second base on a ball that gets past the catcher. Uh, Quan shows, you know, ridiculous hustle and scores all the way from second base. So they put two more up on the fielder's choice. After Ramirez would strike out again, another bad strikeout chasing a pitch away, Oscar Gonzalez would shoot one through the right side at 105.7. Even his ground balls are ridiculously hard hit. He shoots one through the right side, and Ahmed Rosario challenges the right fielder's arm, comes in to score. The throw is way offline towards first base, and uh, a good throw might have had him, but that's what happens when you put pressure on the fielders like that. You force them to make perfect throws, and when they don't, you take advantage and run up the score. 
So there you go. Four singles in the inning lead to four runs. Just a really, really fun inning for your Cleveland Guardians. They would add two and make it a 4-2 game on a couple of sack flies in the uh, in the fourth and fifth innings. They'd have little rallies going against uh, Savali, but he'd hold it down. And then in the sixth inning, you just can't have this. Two fielding errors in a row to kick off the inning, and the Guardians would make them pay. Now, this one is a little unfair for Seager. I mean... Oscar Gonzalez hits one at 113.3 miles per hour. It does tip off his glove. An expected batting average of 830. It hits off Simeon's glove, or Seeger's glove, though, and they give him an error on that. I don't know. He was at the top of his extension. He was reaching up as high as he can. I think when he hit this thing 113 miles per hour, you got to call this a base hit. Now, Owen Miller's after that one that would kick off Simeon's glove, that was more of a fielding error. Again, it's a 109.1 mile per hour shot up the middle, but it was a grounder that Simeon probably should have felt fielded. And uh, instead, it ricochets off his glove into center field. So two on via fielding errors. And as Hamilton put it, you know, it's the two ridiculously highly priced infielders that they brought in this season with back-to-back errors. And that sets up Gabriel Arias. And frankly, he doesn't do anything different than what uh, you know what everybody did in the third inning. What you know, uh, Freeman and Straw and Quan all did in that uh, third inning, which is just hit a nice line drive shot over the infield. Uh, it's a it's 17 degree launch angle, 103.7. So he barreled it up, he smoked it, and he just found the perfect seam in the outfield for this thing to roll all the way to the wall. Uh, You know, a little bit further to the right or left, it probably gets cut off by somebody, but it was just in no man's land between these two outfielders and hit fast enough at 103.7 that it just rolls all the way to the wall. So another triple for another Guardians infielder in this one. Uh, They've been doing it all series. Uh, It's not Ahmed Rosario this time. It's Gabriel Arias delivering a two-RBI uh, triple here uh, in the sixth inning. So this really stretched the lead, really made you feel like the Guardians were in control of this one. And uh, at this point, uh, the White Sox were losing uh, to the Detroit Tigers. So in theory, the American League Central was already ours. But why not put an exclamation point on the whole damn thing? Owen Miller would lead off the eighth inning with a walk. Uh, after a Gabriel Arias force out, Freeman would hit a single. Luke Maley would get hit by the pitch to load the bases. Miles Straw would strike out, unfortunately. So now there's two outs still, bases loaded. And Stephen Kwan works a ridiculously long at-bat. Of course he does. It's the eighth inning. They've already clinched. Do you think Stephen Kwan is giving up, though, against Joe Barlow? Barlow's throwing him sliders all over the place. He's hitting every quadrant he can with this slider. A few fastballs away mixed in. He fouls off two sliders for the seventh and eighth pitches. And then finally, those are sliders that were in, breaking in on him, in on his hands. And finally, the ninth one, the highest slider of them all, up above the belt, and he turns on it. Turns on it, hits it 101.5 miles per hour, 24-degree launch angle, 375 just off the railing above the wall in right field for a grand slam exclamation point on the whole damn season. I mean, what a beautiful moment for Quan. They mob him in the dugout. 
I, you just couldn't be happier for a guy, uh, you know, for anyone, but, you know, for Stephen Kwan to have this moment. You just can't be happier for this guy. He's just had a remarkable, remarkable season. And frankly, he deserves to be in that conversation for Rookie of the Year, you know, because he's got a little of that, like, most valuable rookie vibe to him, right? MVP rookie vibe to him. Because what he's done for this team, being that leadoff hitter for this team, it's just delivered something different than the other two rookies, Rushman, and uh, Rodriguez out in Seattle has delivered. And it'll be interesting to see. Rodriguez is hurt right now. So it'll be interesting to see if missing these final games at the end of the season actually gives Quan a leg up in the rookie of the year conversation. And we got to add his defense in there. I mean, his Superman suicide daredevil defense, right? Has absolute evil Quan Evil uh, has absolutely uh been a leg up on some of his other rookies. I mean, at a, as the catcher position, I don't think Rushman gets to make that many crazy plays. Uh, and in center field, Rodriguez gets to make a bunch of diving catches out there. But I think Quan's defense, man, he's really popped the highlight reel a bunch of times. So I got to imagine it's probably down to Quan and Rodriguez at this point for rookie of the year. Uh, the two playoff teams, right, are definitely going to get more coverage, more national coverage of those two guys. And Rushman, though, he was, you know, a former top, top pick, former top prospect in baseball. So that's why he's gotten so much attention. Quan wasn't that. Quan was a guy who was in the middle of our prospect list and really wasn't even there until last season. He's a guy that's just kind of quietly made the major leagues and then exploded in that first series in Kansas City and really hasn't looked back, except for, you know, one slow stretch in May, really hasn't looked back, has put together a complete season. So a huge moment for Quan with the exclamation point. Shaw and Owen Miller do try to give back some runs in the eighth inning. They end up giving up two runs, mostly because Owen Miller can't feel the ball, can't scoop a ball in the dirt. I'm sorry, I, I get if Owen Miller plays in the playoffs, but if Owen Miller is in there late in the game defensively at first base, that's trouble. He can't, he is terrible defensively at first base, and we cannot risk games with him still in there defensively late in games in the playoffs. That's too important. Uh, luckily, though, at 10-2, those two runs in the eighth inning don't hurt, and Karinczak comes in and finishes things off, gets a strikeout and two big pop-ups in foul territory, and Luke Maley makes the catch to clinch it for your Cleveland Guardians. Um, yeah, man, what a, what a fun game. What a fun way to clinch by just unloading on some Rangers pitching. Uh, now, uh, there is one more storyline in this game we do got to go back and talk about, and that's Aaron Savali, who had a really nice start. I wonder if they were keeping him on a pitch count because he is kind of coming back from injury still. He only goes five innings in this game and then turns it over to Kirk McCarty, who does a really good job out of the bullpen. He's, Kirk McCarty has been solid out of the bullpen lately, and he gives you two strong innings here of one-hit baseball, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts on 35 pitches. So good stuff from Kirk McCarty in relief of Aaron Savali, who only goes 75 pitches. He's hard hit six times, gives up only three hits, though, two runs on those sack flies, no walks, seven strikeouts from Savali. And what was working for him? It was all about the curveball. Eight whiffs on 18 swings. It's a 44% whiff rate on that curveball. 
It's a 41% CSW overall on that curveball. It's a 35% CSW total on the day, so pretty good stuff. Got a lot of called strikes on the cutter. Uh, eight called strikes, a 37% CSW on that pitch. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty good day overall for Aaron Savali. And going over to the Illustrator, how was he doing it? Well, he was attacking in and out with that cutter, and he was keeping the curveball down. For the most part, down below the belt, he would throw it for a strike, and then he would drop it out the bottom of the zone. And those seven strikeouts, once again, StatCast decides not to record one of them or the two of them in the exact same location. But I got four curveballs down at the bottom of the zone here, at the knees or below. And I've got a, a fastball, a sinker, and a cutter up uh, that he got. Uh, Jung chased the cutter, and he got Garcia to uh, frozen with the sinker to strike him out in the second inning. So a lot of curveballs down. Who knows where that seventh one is, that mystery one is, but a lot of curveballs down below the knees for strikeouts, getting guys to chase down there. That pitch has been rock solid for Aaron Zavalli all season, and it continues to be an effective pitch in this game. Uh, yeah, how effective has that pitch been for Aaron Zavalli? Who probably is going to be your fourth starter come playoffs? I can't imagine that Plesak is going to get handed the ball, number one, just based on the season he's had. But, uh, I, you know, coming back from injury, I, who, he's not going to make it back in time to start. So uh, it probably won't be in this first series. I mean, Savali could pitch in relief in this first series if someone gets into trouble or gets into a tough inning. Uh, you know, maybe they bring in someone like a Henches to get you out of the inning. And then Savali could go in and give you some length out of the bullpen, keep him fresh for the division series. That curveball, by the way, has got a 123 batting average against. It's got a 43.9% whiff rate and a 24.7% put away rate. Yeah, that curveball has been pretty darn good. Uh, it's got an it only has a negative one run value. I'm surprised it hasn't have a deeper run value than that. I mean, they just they really can't hit it. They're only slugging 259 off of that pitch. So I don't know why. Uh, why it doesn't have a better run value, but yeah, that's been a really, really good pitch for him all season. It's got elite drop to it. I mean, this is this is incredible. So uh, it won't tell me the percentile ranking. I'm hovering over it. It won't tell me, but it is a deep, deep crimson red, which means it's in the top percentile in the entire league when it comes to his curveballs vertical drop, which has 66.2 inches of vertical drop to it. Uh, so yeah, 6.6 better than, uh, inches better than league average, uh, which is deep crimson red, which on StatCast means elite, elite stuff. It's, it's actually more, he's got more curve to it than he did last year. Uh, and it only had 62 inches of drop last year, which was still top of the league towards the top of the league. Now it's up to 66.2. So yeah, if I'm Francona, I'm probably going to Savali. If I need a fourth starter in that division series, he's my fourth guy in this rotation going into the playoffs. Uh, so a good start by him, a solid start by him, gets the win and uh, and sets the Guardians up to have a nice day uh, and uh, get this division-clinching win. So yeah, I could probably go into more detail in this game, but I think, I think the big storyline here is the Guardians absolutely locking up this American League Central, frankly, faster than we any of us thought it would happen. 
I mean, we were looking at that Kansas City series as maybe clinching, right? We didn't think we would. We clinched this thing with three series left to go in the season, with nine games left in the season. That's really early to go out and clinch your division. I mean, this is, we are careening towards a 90-plus win team here. I Did any of us have the Guardians winning 90-plus? I mean, frankly, I could see them winning between 90 and 95 at this point. They're at 86 and 67 already. Uh, and this Tampa Bay series is going to be huge because they could actually move Tampa Bay down below Seattle in those standings, which they're not right now. Right now, uh, Kansas City and Seattle played a ridiculous game yesterday. At one point in the middle of the game, Kansas City put up 11 runs. So Seattle stays the number six wildcard team. But, I mean, they could easily pass Tampa Bay. And if we go out there and handle our business against Tampa Bay, we set Tampa Bay up to face us. And uh, Tampa Bay has not been a good team on the road. So we really have a chance of taking advantage of that and uh, getting them to come to Cleveland. We'll see how it goes for this three-game set in Cleveland. But right now, I mean, Seattle looked like they could pitch against anybody. Uh, so I would much rather face Tampa Bay right now in this opening divisional series, especially at home in progressive field. So we'll see how it goes, though. We're, we're going to get our wish. We're going to see him for three games right now. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Now, again, he might rest some veterans. Um, might handle things a little bit differently in the end of the season once you've already clinched the division versus a wild card series, but it's still going to be interesting to see them come here and play. All right, I got some things uh, that I got to mention. Uh, I got Jeff in Chicago who who checked in with me yesterday. Uh, I asked him, give me the Chicago fan side of things. How do the Clevelanders over in Chicago feel about winning the division? He says, it feels good to get some revenge on the Southsiders. Still have to wait for our revenge on the Northsiders. That's right. 2016, we don't forget. He says, but after 2016, the Guardians have returned much stronger than the Cubs have. Yeah, if you think about it, right for a time there, it felt like, what are we doing? We're selling off this team that went to the World Series in 2016. We're letting guys go. Uh, You know, we trade away. Uh, you know, star players from that team. And meanwhile, the Cubs held on to those guys for a while, right? They held on to Bryant and Rizzo and Baez for a while and Contreras. And uh, now look at the state of the Chicago Cubs. I mean, they are not prepared for their next step for their future. The Cubs are going to be down at the bottom of the division for a while. Meanwhile, the Guardians have turned themselves into a developmental juggernaut on both pitching and hitting. Uh, they, I mean, Antonetti and Chernoff did a heck of a job. I know we all hate the fact there were guys out there they could have signed. There, there was money they could have spent, and they didn't. It's all, I mean, they're all patting themselves on the back right now, you know, thinking they made the perfect decisions to lead themselves to this moment. And I would agree with a lot of the decisions. I mean, I'm glad that Quan got opportunities and Oscar Gonzalez got opportunities. There was so much talent in the pipeline. I am glad those guys got opportunities. Do I think a veteran here or there isn't the worst thing in the world? Yeah, I'm not going to go back on my comments from the offseason earlier in the season to say that, you know, there weren't veterans out there that probably could have helped this team, uh, you know, steadied this lineup the whole season. But, uh, I'm I'm so happy that the the uh, young guys have developed and turned into the players they've turned into. And yeah, 
If you go back to 2016 and the Guardians and the Cubs in the World Series, well, the Indians at the time, uh, yeah, the Cleveland franchise is in a much better place than those Northsiders in Chicago. So thanks for checking in, Jeff in Chicago. Thanks for giving me that info for the podcast. We also got an email from our friend Rick in Austin. Rick, who's sitting poolside enjoying a beer as uh, Hamilton is calling it for the Guardians uh, as they clinch the division. He says, best season ever. Thanks for the podcast. I listen every day. Uh, He jumped at the chance when he saw that the Guardians were on the schedule coming to Texas to go check out Globe Life Field. He didn't seem too impressed with Globe Life Field from his report here. Uh, Something about the AstroTurf looking really weird, but he got seats over the Rangers' dugout. He was watching Karinczak and Klasse, uh, or I guess over the Guardians' dugout. Oh, he said he was watching Karinczak and Klasse uh, close up. Oh, watching them close up was awesome. I thought it was warm up was awesome. Watching them close up was awesome. Uh, Guards won in typical fashion with speed. And he said when he bought these tickets, he didn't think it was going to mean anything. He he wasn't sure. Rick wasn't too confident that this series with Texas was going to be when the Guardians clinched the division. But sure enough, he was there on the weekend that the Guardians, or the, yeah, the weekend when the Guardians, is it the weekend? I'm all messed up. Uh, When the Guardians clinched the division. So, uh, yeah, Rick, uh, good job. And I get it. If I lived outside of Cleveland, if I lived where you did, I would definitely, like, any time, man, my team came close, came close, I would be there. I would be there. The urge to be there for the whole series, frankly, would be too much. I'd have to explain that one to the family. Uh, But, yeah, I get it, man. If you live somewhere, if you're Jeff in Chicago, Rick in Austin, I get it. It's exciting when the team comes to town, your team coming into town. Uh, and you get to go down there. Uh, there was good representation. There was good Cleveland representation in the ballpark all weekend. Uh, and, you know, enough Guardians fans there to celebrate with the team and to cheer them on as they celebrated on the field. And then, frankly, had an all-time classic clubhouse celebration. I mean, the champagne, the interviews. There, was, there wasn't much of substance from those interviews. By the way, Rick, thank you again for the email. Rick and Austin. Uh, there wasn't much substance to those interviews, but I mean, you can see that this team has a special connection. The veterans love the young guys. The young guys love the veterans. Uh, apparently Jose Ramirez was stumping for, uh, Ahmed Rosario to get a long-term extension. You get why those guys are buddies. We can debate all off season. If Ahmed Rosario deserves a long-term extension, he's got another year here anyways. So he's going to be here. It's, look, it's a hard conversation because you saw how much talent is coming up. I left off a great defensive play by Tyler Freeman in this one in the first inning. He makes a leaping catch and steals one, I think, from Seeger or Simeon and, uh, at the top of the lineup. And you could see, I mean, the defensive talent that's coming, that's here. Arias, Freeman, not to mention what Jimenez already brings. And you got Rokio and Tanya and so many guys coming. You understand why there's going to be a huge debate this offseason, whether or not Ahmed Rosario deserves a long-term contract. But the fact is, you can't deny, whether it's high-leverage or low-leverage situations, you can't deny that Ahmed Rosario has been something special for this team this season. I mean, since he's come here, he's kind of delivered on the promise of being a top prospect at one point in his career. So Ahmed Rosario... 
uh, has been fantastic. But yeah, that's that's the vibe that was in the clubhouses. They were celebrating and soaking each other with beer and champagne and ordering giant takeout pizzas and smoking cigars. Uh, yeah, it's always funny. Watch the people in the background of all these interviews in the locker room because you just get some ridiculous behavior in the background or just guys just not even aware that the cameras are on them, right? Most of the time, they're aware when the camera's on them. That's the beautiful thing about a locker room celebration. They don't even know the camera's on them. They're just themselves having a good time, puffing away in cigars, doing whatever they want to do to celebrate. Uh, So yeah, personally, I wouldn't celebrate with a cigar. That's just me. But uh, hey, it's part of the celebration, I guess, in a Major League Baseball clubhouse. So man, I it was so much fun. It was so much fun watching this team clinch having that moment, uh, our moment, to really, uh, man, to say, this Central Division, it really runs through Cleveland. Uh, We have clinched this division title more than anybody else since its creation, and uh, we continue to just come back time after time and lock this thing down and clinch this thing. So, yeah, it is a really fun day. It's a fun day to be a Guardians baseball fan. So go enjoy this morning. Go enjoy this day. Spread the love for Cleveland Guardians. Tell everybody, if they're looking for a podcast for the playoff run, Cleveland Baseball Mornings has them covered. You know we're going to run all the way through the playoffs. We'll be here to talk every game in detail. We're going we're gonna to finish off this season. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here to finish off every game of the season. We'll see how Francona sets this thing up for the playoffs, how he's going to set up the rotation, and who we're going to face. Who we're going to face. We're definitely going to do some more scoreboard watching as this thing wraps up. So congratulations to the 2022 AL Central Division Champions, your Cleveland Guardians. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, The final again from Globe Life Field in Texas. It's the Guardians 10, the Rangers 4. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Let me know your thoughts on the American League Central Division title. Were you celebrating poolside with a beer like Rick and Austin was? Let me know what you thought of the celebration, how you celebrated. I was actually... I got to have dinner with the whole family. So I was with my brother and my dad and we were high-fiving and even my little nephew, we you know gave him some high-fives. He wasn't exactly sure what was going on, but he got in on the high-fiving anyways. Uh, so we were there with the whole family. Uh, everybody was having a good time. Uh, so let me know how you celebrate it and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this division-clinching Cleveland Baseball Morning.